Hello friends, I want to welcome you to our latest podcast talk. This is Pastor Marco. Listen, uh, we love to have you come hang out with us live. If you've never been, if you live in the area, we have two services, Saturday 6 p.m. and Sunday 10 a.m. And if you have kids, we have incredible children's ministry for all ages. And don't forget to check out our website at newlifesouthcoast.com. We believe this message is going to encourage you, but also challenge you in your walk with God. It's a new season. Can you say amen? Come on, I need some faith in this house today. It's going to require some faith to receive this message this morning. You know, we've been dealing with spirit of fear and how to live a fearless life. And I believe God intends to bless his people. He intends to bring more into our lives, but we have to deal with some of the barriers that we face as we come into God's will and purpose for our lives. So today, I need you to bring some extra faith to the table. See, the message is only as good as your faith to exercise it, you know. I, I really, I'm praying you lean in today and you say, God, I'm in. Like, I'm in by faith. I'm going to believe you for a better tomorrow. I'm going to believe you for this new season. I don't want to just go to church. I want to have church. I want to have you in my life. Can you say amen? So I want to deal this morning with the spirit of finances. The spirit of poverty that comes over the people of God. The spirit of lack. It's important that we deal with the spirit if we're going to fully live God's will for our lives. You know, God's will for you is clear when you read this. He says, I know the plans I have for you. Plans to prosper you. Plans to give you hope and to give you a future. And so if we're not seeing that, then we need to keep plugging into our faith and say, God, I refuse to, to, to settle for anything less than your will for my life. I'm afraid sometimes, church, we have settled for something less than God's will for our lives. And we call it religion. I believe God has more for his people. Can you say amen? I, I refuse to believe that people who don't follow God can be more blessed than the people that actually follow God. I, I refuse to believe that, 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 that you have to be shady to, to be blessed. I don't even remember when I preached that message that Matt's talking about. You know, I, all I know is God put stuff in my heart and I, and, I, and I just share it. But I'm so thankful he didn't hear the word. He did what the word said. And he was blessed for doing what the word said. That's the difference, right? There's hearers and then there's doers. I'm believing that we have a church filled of doers of God's word this morning. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 6. It's a long read, but it's a powerful read to set us up to focus on overcoming the spirit that is holding us back for more. Like God has more in store for his people. And it starts with shifting our mindsets. Can you say amen? So Matthew 6, this is Jesus speaking. And, and, and we're going to pick it up from verse 24. Matthew 6, 24. If you don't have a Bible, there's a giant one behind me. Because we like big Bibles and we cannot lie. Um, Matthew 6, 24 says, No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. 
That is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about clothing, about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing. Yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about these things saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly father already knows all your needs. And here's the key. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you Everything you need. Someone ought to say amen. You can bring me down a little bit. You know, my upbringing gives me, I guess, a unique perspective in life and in finances. Uh, you know, being born and raised in a country that was considered a third world country at the time, Cape Verde, uh, gives you a unique perspective in life. Uh, this morning... I, I call my, I didn't call my, I text my mom. Calling is like texting now. Um, seven in the morning, I said, Mom, I need a picture of the house that we grew up in. Because I, I was born and raised in Cape Verde. I moved here. I was 15. I said, I, I, want, I want a picture. I want to show where we came from. And she's like, I don't have one. Uh, and then an hour later, I get a picture. She's like, I literally text a cousin in Cape Verde and said, take a picture. So that's the power of technology. This picture was taken this morning in Cape Verde. This is, this is the house that I grew up in. Right here. Leave that up. This is the house that I grew up for the first 15 years of my life. Very humbling beginnings. You know, we lived, uh, still blows my mind now that I'm older to understand uh, that my parents were, first of all, fortunate enough to have a job, got paid monthly. And when I say they get paid monthly, it was what you get paid, maybe minimum wage in a week. And now that I'm older, I'm like, how in the world do you live stretching that out for a month? Like, you got to work some magic or something to make, to make a stretch. Like, I'm blown away with the fact that, you know, we grew up that way. I never felt like we were poor. It's just that was that reality. It's how we grew up, right? But we were blessed because even in my neighborhood, I had friends that was in even worse shape than we ever were. I had friends that never had shoes because they couldn't afford it. I had friends that grew up walking everywhere barefooted, played soccer barefooted, whatever, go to school barefooted because that was the reality. They didn't know it. We didn't have anything else. And it wasn't like we were walking around, you know, you know, sad. No, we were excited. This is life. This is all we knew. I had friends that literally their backpacks was, was a plastic bag. They would put all their stuff in a plastic bag and go to school, but amazingly, never miss school. 
Because they knew the importance of education. They knew, like, this is a ticket. Like, I only meal out of this place. If we can do really well in education, we might leave this place and do something with our lives somewhere, somehow. Like, we, they didn't have options of what school to go to. It's just one school. You go there. You don't have options of who's going to be a teacher. You don't have options of, of any of those things. And listen, it was what it was, and we made the most of it. And I'm so thankful to grow up in the scenario that I did because it, it gives you a certain appreciation for life. You know, like, for example, we didn't have running water. Uh, we didn't have running water. And so what my parents would do, bless their hearts, is they would go to a well and get water for the week. That, that's how we had water. And if I wanted to take a hot shower, I would do push-ups. Because you got to work, work yourself out to get a hot shower and, 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 and then maybe boil some water and, and go on the roof on the, on the left side there and, and, and just... Get yourself a nice shower. It was just regular life. That's how it. That's how it went. You know, talking. You know, listen. Shoes. You would stretch out your shoes. You know, we have like cobblers. They were professionals of stretching your shoes out. Like I would have one pair of sneakers for two, three years. Because why? You go to the cobbler, man. He hooked you up. Like he knew how to sew it. He knew how to just hook you up for a new year of school. That was like your new pair of shoes. You're like, man, it's hooked up. You know. But that was the reality. Again, it was never like, oh my gosh, we're poor. It was just, this is, this is life. And this is, we made the most out of what we had. And, 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 and I was thinking about this morning. I'm like, man, my parents are MVPs for, for stretching that thing out every single month. And, and making us feel, never feel like we lacked anything. And so when you grow up that way, it, it really makes you appreciate things. It makes you grateful. See, like I said, Thanksgiving to me, it's not an event. It's a lifestyle. Makes you thankful for what you have, you know, because uh, when you have more, you just appreciate it even more because you're like, man, I, I get to have more, right? And, 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 and coming to the state in 1993, uh, it, was a, it was a shock to my system. The worldview is different. When you come into capitalism, when you didn't live in it, it's different, right? I remember one of the things that shocked me was I saw a kid, same age as me, arguing with his mom because his mom would not give him a pair of Jordans. And I was like, I don't even know what brand I'm wearing right now. Like, I, I honestly, I, I had a pair of shoes. I like, it had nothing on it. It was just no, nothing. You know, I remember going to school and kids are like, what are those? <laughs> not in the Jordan way. It was like, no, for real though, what are those? You know, because again, we didn't, we didn't grow up with it. Uh, and so it just, it just perspective is different. You know, but what I noticed, though, is this. I noticed that with immigrants, there is two approach to, to life and finances. Unfortunately, we live in extremes, right? And so what I begin to, as I grow up and begin to understand life, I notice two extremes. I notice that, that there's one extreme of, you know, you come and because, because life is a little better, we have a tendency to just settle, because now it's good enough. Right? That's one extreme that I see. Right? Where, where now it's, it's about, you know, making sure that we don't lose anything because we've, 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 we've arrived. Like, for example, when I first moved here, we moved with, with my grandmother. And I love my grandmother, man. I miss my grandmother. Uh, because it was the only, only other house other than my house that I can just go and just live like a king. You know what I mean? Your grandmother would just hook you up. But my grandmother had a living room that was... Out of the question. 
You guys know what I'm talking about? Like, my grandmother had a living room, like, it was a sin to go in there. I mean, there was plastic on everything. You know, you know what I'm talking about? And, 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 and you know, it's supposed to be for special occasions, but they never came. Like, the special occasion never arrived. Why is that? Because, because there's the extreme of it's good enough and we want to treasure everything. And we don't want to, you know, we don't want to, like, be over crazy spending. And so what happens is we begin to live this fearful life on it's good enough. Problem with good enough is it's the enemy of great. Uh, that's one extreme. The other extreme that I see is, is the people that didn't have much, and so now they're in the land of opportunity. What they want to do is they want to overdo it. There's the good enough, and then there's, there's never going to be good enough. There's the people that now come, and they want to work 24-7 because they never had anything, and so now they're going to work their lives off to have more and not fully actually enjoy the reason why they're working in the first place and those people become workaholics and they say they're working for a reason and the reason they're working for is being forsaken isn't it interesting we say we're working for our families but our family's like but I'll never see you and that is another extreme because the bible says what is the point of winning the whole world but losing your soul in the process You have to understand, Jesus was not talking to rich people. He was talking to everyday people like you and I, struggling to make ends meet. Jesus is trying to bring a better perspective. I don't believe we're supposed to settle for good enough. I don't believe we're supposed to overwork. I believe we're supposed to live in God's will for our lives. Like God wants to bless us and prosper us. I think there's a better way. Right? I think there's a better way to not allow money to become a God in our hearts. Because before I go any further, I have to, to, to deal with some of the misconceptions. You know, people, especially religious people will say, money is the root of all evil. But that's false. The Bible never said that money is the root of all evil. Here's what the, actually, the Bible actually says about that. Look, the Bible says this. He says, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And some people craving money have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. Very different. The love of money is the root of all evil. Right? If you ever been in love with something, you're obsessed with it. Remember when you were teenagers and, and I don't know if you ever been in love, you're like, you hang up. No, you hang up. No, what you doing? No, what are you doing? Like, like you're so obsessed that you spend all your time, your energy, effort on the person. That's what the Bible is talking about. It's when you're obsessed with money. All you do is talk about money. All you do is, 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 is think about money. All you do is post about money. All you do is talk about how you're grinding and you're making this. It's like you're making money a God. Money is a terrible God. Because he will always leave you up to dry. If you're taking notes this morning, write this down. Money is a great resource, but a terrible God. Money is a great resource. It will bless you. That's why be careful how you talk about money. Because the way you talk about money says what you believe about it. That's why we have to start here to break down some misconceptions because everybody says they don't have a problem with money. But then you look how they live, you're like, wait a minute. Maybe there's some issues there related to money. Isn't it interesting? It's the religious people that we don't need money. It's like, why don't you give me your money then? 
Isn't it funny? Oh, you don't need money. It's like, then why are you working? But the reality is money is a great resource. Every good thing that you have is probably from money. Like the clothes that you're wearing right now came from money. The, the car that you drove here came from money. The house you came from came from money. So money is a beautiful resource when you're using it the right way. The same money that you buy clothes for your kids could be used for buying drugs. Could be used for buying a prostitute. Could be used for doing shady things. Like it's how you use it. It's not the money. Money is not the problem. It's the heart behind the money that's the problem. It's the heart. So listen, we have to deal with the spirit of poverty if we're going to grow into what God has created us. Like, you can't avoid it. Because in this world, money is a resource that you need. Okay? And, 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 and again, the way you talk about money will either bless your destiny or betray your destiny. When I say a poverty mindset, I'm talking about God didn't give you a spirit of fear and poverty. But of love, power, and self-discipline, right? Money is the part of the self-discipline that God wants to deal with you about, right? There's power to overcome sin. There's power to live above the level of sin and mediocrity. But then there's self-discipline to live a blessed, prosperous life that God intended for everybody to live. Like, he wants you to be blessed. But you got to deal with the mindset of how you're approaching this thing, right? So how do you know you have a poverty mindset? I want, I, want to, I want to shed some light on some things before you say, I don't have a problem with money. Well, let's talk about it a little bit. Let's, let's put this under investigation for a little bit. Okay, listen, this is not all of it, but this is some things to think about, right? First of all is this. A poverty mindset has nothing to do with how much money you have. It all, it's all about how you think about money. Because you can have a lot of money and be poor in your mind. And you can be broke and be broke in your mind. So it's not about how much money you have. I know rich people who are very poor in their mindsets. And I know poor people who are very poor in their mindsets. So it's not about how much money you have because Jesus was talking to everyday regular people. He wasn't having a seminary with millionaires. He was talking to everyday blue collar people. Saying you got to be careful how you view money, how you're thinking about it. So here's some things to consider as you, we got to break these chains off of us. Look, poverty mindset is always worried about money. The poverty mindset will always ask, the first question is, how much will it cost? The poverty mindset say things like, we can't afford it. The problem with saying we can't afford it, you have to understand, your mind is not good or bad. Your mind is what you feed it, and your mind creates groove patterns after you feed it a certain thing. So after a while of saying you can afford it, automatically you have turned your mind, this is, this is our default when it comes to money. We can't afford it. You ever walk into school, to a store and you hear the mom yell, put that back, we can't afford it. After you do that to that kid for a few, what you're doing is now you're projecting the poverty mindset into the next generation and you're telling this next generation you can't afford anything. So when you, when you shift your mindset, you say, we don't need it. Yeah, Not we can't afford it. Right. 
It's a different perspective because you don't want that kid growing up always feeling like he can't afford anything. You want that kid to grow up believing like, listen, man, I, I follow a God that has blessed my mom and dad and he can bless me and he can take care of me. A poverty mindset makes you sleep, like, lose sleep over money. Tossing and turning because of bills. Here's another one. A poverty mindset will always make you feel grumpy because of what you don't have. Again, gratitude is not an event. It's a lifestyle. Here's another one. I pray you get this. A poverty mindset will spend too much money on artificial things. A poverty mindset is consumed with the lifestyle of the rich and famous. Here's another one. A poverty mindset is jealous of others. You can't be happy for others because you have a small mindset that you don't understand. If that person is blessed, there's a God that can also bless you. Like God is not stingy. He can bless you too. Now the last two is where I really want to zero in today, church. A poverty mindset has no financial goals. Like, that's a big part of life to not have any goals. And worse, a poverty mindset has no faith for more. Like, we've settled. What is faith? Faith is the substance of things you hope for and the evidence of things you have not seen yet. That's what faith is. But this morning, I, I came to announce to you that God's will for you is better than your will for yourself. Like, I believe that. God's will for you is to bless your socks off. Like, God's will for you is to bless you so much that you look back and you go, I have no idea how this happened. I just know that God is faithful. I want to show you scriptures because, again, I don't know where the religious people got the idea that being broke is spiritual. I don't know. Some people take pride in being broke. I don't know why. Because when I read the Bible, I don't know why, but God likes to give you details. Like when he talks about Abraham, he talks about Abraham and everything that Abraham had that showed that he was blessed. When he talks about Job, he said, have you considered Job and everything I've done for him? When you talk about David, he said, man, there's nobody else like David. And then he talks about Solomon. He said, nobody was richer than Solomon. He's like, why does he give you those details if he doesn't matter? Maybe he's saying, I want to bless your socks off. Maybe. By the way, if you're going to leave, let's do it all together so we don't have to keep having interruptions. If anybody else has a problem being blessed, this is your time. You know, I want to talk to some people who are saying, no, no, I believe God for more. I believe God has more in store for my life. Look what the Bible says. Psalm 37 says, trust in the Lord and do good. Then you will live safely in the land and, and be broke and be average. And maybe, perhaps, perchance, I might make it. He said, no, and you will prosper. Take the light in the Lord, and he will give you your heart's desires. 
You have heart's desires. Those are your goals. Those are your dreams. Those are your aspirations. Who puts them there? God puts goals in your hearts. God puts dreams in your hearts. God puts hopes in your hearts. God puts aspiration in your hearts. If you put them there, he's a God big enough to make them come to pass. He's a big God. He wants to bless your life. Now, let me break another misconception here. I'm not talking about the weird prosperity gospel that you see on TV. I'm not talking about the guys with the cute suits and beautiful shampooed hair that tells you for $9.99 you get your miracle right now. The devil is a liar. Don't you call that number. (laughs) I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about every single day bless people live above the level of sin and mediocrity people that can say no God is faithful he's good to me and my family and my children and my children's children I'm talking about everyday people being blessed by God practical prosperity is what we're after we believe in a God who says if you're faithful in the little I can bless you with more I, I believe this you know when, when Matt came to that crossroad of, of making money on the table, I think that was a crossroad God saying, how blessed do you want to be? If you trust me, watch what I can do. Can I prove it to you? Look what the Bible says. Look, Luke says, if you are faithful in little things, you will be faithful in large ones. But if you are dishonest in little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. Church, you understand what the Bible is saying here? It's principles. It's not magic. God's saying like, hey, can you be faithful with what I already gave you? Can I, because if I can't trust you with that, how can I give you more? Isn't it interesting? People say, God, bless me. But God's like, I already blessed you. Work out what I already gave you and watch it come to fruition. Watch it come to pass. If God can trust you to tie on a $200 paycheck, how can he trust you with $2,000? It's principles. It's not magic. It's this reality that, listen, he works in principles. He already created the universe with principles. The law of gravity is a principle. You don't believe in it? Just try it. Go jump off a building. I don't believe in it. There's people saying, I don't believe in tithing. Well, fine. You don't believe in being blessed. It's a principle. Right? He says, you be faithful in a little and watch me grow that and, and watch me exceed your expectations when you just do what I've asked you to do. You know, he goes even a step further. He says, if you're not faithful what you have, I'll take it and give it to someone else who's faithful. Like, that's crazy. Like, he said, I'll take what you have and give it to someone who's going to work it and make something out of it. Right? So it's not how much money you have. It's what are you doing with what you have? Come on, are you following Practical steps. If you have a business, is Jesus the CEO of your business? Because when he's the CEO, man, he knows how to run things. Hey, I love what he says. He prays about everything in his shop. That's awesome because Jesus is like, when you pray about it, I'm with you in that. And I don't know about you, when I pray is when coincidences begin to happen. Like, I don't know, it's weird, isn't it? Like you start praying, like, oh, wait, wait a minute. Just give it enough time and you see the answers begin to come to pass. Like, you have a business, the best thing you can do is say, Jesus, from this point on, you're the CEO. You're the manager. You're the boss. What do you want us to do? And watch what he will do. Listen, here's a revelation. God anoints hard work. 
God anoints hard work. You know, we live in a time where people want to work less but make more. Can I? I just want to help us with life. The last 15 years of my life, I've always worked two or three jobs. But 15 years ago, I made a decision when I graduated college. I said, whatever is put in front of me, I'm going to say yes. Because I want to get to the point that I'm able to say no. Are you following? So everything, like, I remember my first job, man, I was doing multiple things. I, I was the Christian living teacher. I was a chaplain. I was a basketball coach. I was a soccer coach. Man, I was the, I was the vice principal. Like, I did so many things. I said, yes, 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 yes. Because why? I'm opening more doors for myself that one day I could be in a position to say no. The problem is, now we live in a no, but give me. Come on, talk to me. I know we got some millennials in the house. Right? Like the entitlement has come upon people. Now it's like, no, uh, what is the least that I can do to be blessed? No, no, God works when you work. Like he said, work it out. Like he said, actually work out your salvation. He actually said this, I saved you to work. Did you ever read that? That didn't make your devotional book. <laughs> like, he said, I saved you unto good works. I saved you to be a mechanic. I saved you to be a teacher. I saved you to be a lawyer. I saved you to be a stay-at-home. Like, whatever it is, God saved you to do something for what he saved you. I, I'm not a businessman, but, I, but I'm a church man. Like, I, I approach church like it's a business. Because I, I believe God has trusted me to do things a certain way. And so, and so the guys that work with me, they'll tell you, like, well, I tell them every day, don't come into office like it's church. Come into office like it's a business. It's a corporation. We're trying to run something that God has trusted us with, and we're going to do it with excellence, with integrity, with character. We're going we're gonna to make sure that every money that's spent is spent the right way. Why? Because we have to answer to him, and we want him to bless us. If he's going to bless us, then we're going to be faithful where we are to be where he wants us to be someday. Gotta be faithful in the little. Work hard because he anoints that. Like God anoints hard work. Now, remember, we are people of extremes. Don't work so hard that you miss the point of why you're working in the first place. That's the extremes we gotta avoid. You know, the extreme of good enough or the extreme of overdoing it. I believe if God is your God, you don't have to live in extremes. You can live in the flow of his Holy Spirit, and you can have enough without having to work, you know, 80, 90 hours a week, and I fully enjoy. The Bible says you're supposed to enjoy the fruits of your labor, right? And he says your children are your blessing, and so if your kids are not seeing you, what are you working for? Here's another kicker, right? People say, I found a better job. I just have to work every Sunday. If it's a better job, how does he take you away from the source of all your resources? When you pluck a rose and you give it to someone and she goes, ah, oh, so cute. Hopefully your wife or your, you know, fiance or whoever you're flirting with. Um, but what's interesting is the rose will look good for a few weeks. And then it begins to die. Why? Because the rose is supposed to be connected to the source. When you're not connected to your source, the well will dry up. 
It might look good for a few weeks, but if you're not plugged in, you're losing the source of why you're blessed in the first place. This is why I believe sometimes God will allow you to rig rock bottom so you can realize he's the rock at the bottom that you need. So you don't rely on your bank account. You don't rely on your, on your job because those things are fleeting. He's the source. He's the ultimate source of all your blessings. That's what the Bible says. Every blessing he pours out, we turn it into praise. Because we know where it comes from. Can you say amen? So I want to get practical for a second here about overcoming this fear of finances. You ready? If you're taking notes. Want to hear a big revelation? Do you have a budget? I love church. You just never know what's going to happen. It was like a weird ripple. Like, it was like the wave, but the other way. Do you have a budget? Because a budget, here's what a budget says. A budget says you are deciding what's important to spend your money on. Without a budget, you will never fulfill your goals. I don't care how much faith you have. God works in order, not chaos. Go read the Bible from the beginning. When God was creating, there was order, right? So if you don't organize your financial chaos, you will never going to see the fullness of God's will over your life. And I know the struggle with the budget is I don't want to face it. Guess what? We're talking about being fearless. You got to face that beast in the face and you got to write it down and look at it and say, this is what it is, and we're going to stop prophesying what it's supposed to be in Jesus' name. But I got to take ownership and create a budget that is for real. Not a make-believe budget that I break every other week because, you know, I was at the mall, and one thing led to another. <laughs> yeah, people are like, I, I didn't mean to buy this. You didn't mean to not buy it? Or did you mean to buy it? You got to create a budget. A budget says this is what's important to me, right? Here's, here's the next, rev- next revelation. You ready? Are you saving? And I don't mean the quarters in the car. I don't mean <laughs> that kind of saving. I mean, do you have a plan to save? Better yet, are you investing? See, church, we work so hard for our money. There's got to come a point that our money should work hard for us. Okay, that's maturity. To start saving and investing so your money is working on your behalf. Even when you're sleeping, your money is working for you. Because remember, it's a resource. It's not a God. Can you say amen? I want to I recommend a book to you that will rock your financial world. And I mean like it will mess you up first before it puts you back together. Is anybody up for a challenge? Like you want to work out your finances? Okay. Here's a book right here that rocked my financial world. Financial Peace by Dave Ramsey, one of the leading Christian business consultants in our nation. I want to warn you right now, this is not for the faint of heart. Okay. You're going to have to speak in tongues through reading this thing. Because, because he's going to tell you like it is. But listen. 
Bible says work out your salvation, right? What do people go to the gym for? To put tension on their muscles so their muscles could grow, right? You, don't, you never grow when you're comfortable. You grow when you're uncomfortable. So you need to put some, some, some weight on your finances so your finances can have some muscles to it so you can grow and be able to say, look, how God has blessed our lives. Can you say amen? I highly recommend you pick up this book and you tell yourself this is the way we're going to live. Now, when you read this book, I'm going to tell you right off the bat, some of it is overwhelming. It is. But it's okay. Do what you can. Remember, it's about being faithful where you are, with what you have, and see what God will do. It's not a microwavable thing. This is a long game thing. This is a marathon. Okay. When When I was doing the many things... At school, like I wasn't just a Christian living teacher or a chaplain or a vice principal. I was actually a gym teacher as well. And I, I used to teach gym for the junior hires. And we had to run a mile. And I would tell them every time before we run, I said, guys, it's a mile. You know, junior high. So you got to pace yourself. It's a mile. You got to create a pace. What do they do every time? They book it. Hey. Not even, not even one lap around. Everybody's tired. <sighs> you know, and I see that's how, that's how sometimes we, we look at life. We're just like, ah! it's like, no, it's a pace. Create a pace for your financial life and watch God bless you over time. Like, like when you begin to put the principles into place, give yourself three months before you evaluate it. Then at three months, evaluate it again. And, and, and see the growth that's happening over time. God is faithful when you're faithful. God will work it when you're working. God will make a way where there seems to be no way. But you got to do your part. Can you say amen? So set financial goals. What are my goals for 2018? What is it that I would like to see God do? Again, it's amazing to me when I set goals how coincidences happen. It's amazing to me that he who aims at nothing hits it every single time. Did you catch that? He who aims at nothing gets nothing. You gotta have a goal. That, that it, if, you're, if you're aiming for the bullseye, well, then you have something to hit. Why do, why do people get in trouble? Because they don't have a bullseye. No one sets out to be a failure. But no one is a success by accident either. Everything is calculated, especially when you follow God. Keep an eye on your credit score. Do you know your credit score? Because you know Christians, we're like, everything is spiritual. My credit score is in heaven. It's like, that's great. But in the meantime, you live here. (laughs) Okay. In heaven, they, they may not worry about it. But in here, your credit score will tell you what you can afford. Right? Like you're, you're praying for a house, but have you checked your credit score to see where you are? Like it's good to have faith, but faith has to have legs. And faith has to do research to see like, okay, God, what kind of faith we're working with? God's like, I'm waiting on you. What's your credit score? <laughs> I'm serious. Do you have life insurance? My insurance is in heaven. Great. But your kids might stay here for a little while. So why don't you take care of your kids while you go to heaven? 
Because you get there, you're like, I'm here. God's like, yeah, what about your kids, though? You're the guy that prayed for a boat, and the boat came. You never got into it. You got, you know, prayed for the helicopter, didn't get into it. God's going to make a way. God's going to make a way. Well, God makes ways when you work it. Hey, we believe in heaven, but we live on earth. <laughs> right? The two hasn't converged yet. You know what's interesting? Every Christian knows Jeremiah 29, 11. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper to give you hope in the future. You probably have something in your house with that. Like most Christians, you walk into their home, it's like, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper to give you hope in the future. If you don't have it, it's probably your Facebook page, cover page. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper to give you hope in the future. What's interesting is you got to keep reading that verse. It was a very difficult time in the life of God's people. One of my favorite things that Matt shared, he said, I started this business during a recession. I love that because that's faith, baby. I don't know about you, but when I read the Bible, Jesus gets excited when people act in faith. Like Jesus is so bored by the religion. Like, what? Uh, oh, man, come on. <laughs> what? Uh, all of a sudden, someone's like, I believe you can heal me. He's like, what? Like, he loves your faith. Like, when he said, I'm going to start a garage in a recession, the whole heaven was like, word. Because then we can say, we got the glory. Like, we did this. You didn't do this. You didn't do this. But it's never going to be a good time for you to launch in faith. If you're waiting for all the stars stars to line up, you're going to wait a long time. God is an expert in working in tough situations. Matter of fact, I believe he corners us until we make a decision. Like I told you, he dares you. He double dares you to step out in faith. Right? Maybe there's a business in you that you need to launch out in faith. Right? And see what God will do. But you got to do it in faith. You got to do it scared like I talked about last week. Listen, this is where the supernatural comes in. When you do the natural, God will do the supernatural. Right? God is an expert in fuzzy math. Like, how many believers would testify to the fact that sometimes you in a bind, all of a sudden there's a check in the mail that came out of nowhere. Like God <laughs> makes a way. God makes a way. This year we gave the biggest amount in one time that we ever given in our lives. We gave $10,000 to the building project like most of you did. Right? That was a big deal. I was excited because all our lives we've been praying, God, help us to give big. And I remember we were going to give 5000 all week, I was like, I'm good. We got that. Not going to buy a house. We'll just give the 5000 by the By Wednesday that week, God's like, uh. I was like, is that you, Satan? Like, but it can't be Satan because Satan will never tell you to give more. Satan tells you to hoard more. Hello, somebody. Just turn the voices. God is generous. Satan is not. So if you're not generous, guess who you sided with? Not God. Oh, uh-oh, uh-oh, uh-oh. We serve a generous God. For God so loved the world, he gave. That's a generous God. So giving $10,000 was a big deal. We, we were overjoyed to do it. Scared, but overjoyed. It's always going to be there. Faith and fear go hand in hand. You just can't allow your fear to trump your faith. You got to let your faith trump your fear every single time. And can I tell you, he's been faithful. He's been faithful. 
Like, we haven't lacked anything. We have five kids. People are like, are you out of your mind? Yes, out of our mind to live by faith and not by sight. We're not going to live by fear. We're going to live by faith. Because God honors your faith, not your fears. We can live in justification all day long. God is never going to honor you justifying why you think it won't work. He's not into that. You give him all the reasons why. I live in New Bedford. I live in the hood. God is no respecter of the neighborhood you come from. God is no respecter of what color your skin you have. God is no respecter of what kind of education you have. God will make a way when you trust him, when you believe in him, when you put your hope in him, when you build your foundation on him. Church, can I encourage you? Stop telling God about your problems. Tell your problems about your God. You have a big God, a mighty God that can do exceedingly above. You can ever ask or think. If you've seen God bless your life, why don't you take a moment and give him some praise today? Come on, he's good. He's faithful. He's faithful. He's faithful. He's never failed me. He has never, ever failed me. He is faithful. He's a good God. He's a good God. And I pray you understand, we're not shallow. We're not just talking money. Prosperity is peace of mind. Peace of mind in our hearts. You know, blessed marriages, blessed children. You know, I mean, I'm talking about health and wealth. Like, I'm not just talking money. Don't think we're shallow. I'm talking about being blessed in the fullest. Because if God doesn't give me one more thing, he's done everything. That's my conviction. Right? And he's never failed. From, from humbling beginnings in Verde with with nothing, God has always been faithful. He's, he's a good God. He works in the principles he's already laid out. Like if you follow, he said, listen, the steps of a righteous man is ordered by God. Follow the principles and see God open the windows of heaven. How does Jesus end this thing? He said, look, here's the first verse I ever memorized when I became a Christian. He said, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, not shadily. And he will give you everything you need. Like, how do you put God first? Here's the thing. People say, we want money. But the truth is, if you know God, he doesn't own 10%. He owns 100%. The whole thing is his. Right? But he says, listen, let me create a system for you to learn to be generous and flow in the well of my blessings. That's what tithing is. If you're ever wondering, what is the point of tithing? Let me just give it to you nice and clear. It's a spiritual principle. Tithing is, I'm putting my finances and my family under God's grace and protection. Like, I don't run my life. I don't run the show. I know who does. And so this is my way of tangibly, because people say, I trust God. No, you got to trust them tangibly. Like like a cute Facebook post is not trusting God. You got to trust them tangibly, right? See, God does not want your money, he wants your heart. Jesus, in the same message, go read it, he says, where your heart is, is where your treasure is. When you go home, I want you to Google something. Google famous people who tithe. 
You'd be blown away how many major corporations, businesses in our nation who are built on the principle of tithing, who has been blessed again and again and again and again and again. Why? Because God is faithful. When you put him first, you're going to see it. Let me give an example. The first person recorded in the history of this nation who, who, who became a billionaire was, was Rockefeller. Rockefeller said this. This is crazy. Watch this. He said, I never would have been able to tie the first million dollars I ever made if I had not tied my first salary, which was $1.50 per week. Because people say, when I have it, then I'll tie it. He's like, you know, I'm going to start exactly where I am and see what God is going to do. Uh, by the way, did you catch the bottom? He's got a, a net worth of $660 billion. I know we're shallow. We're talking about money. I know. Some of y'all spiritual, you're like, what's $160 billion? My treasure is in heaven. (laughs) (laughs) Christians crack me up, man. You ever seen the bumper stickers? Don't be fooled by this car. My real treasure is in heaven. I'm like, thank God, because you arrive in a pinto. Like, my goodness. Like, everybody has a bumper sticker. doesn't have it on a nice Mercedes or a Benz. <laughs> Don't be fooled by that. You, you're driving a Chevette. Why should I be impressed? <laughs> but we know that's shallow. I'm my bad. That's shallow. Our real treasure is in heaven, you know. But can I tell you something? Tithing is not magic. There's some weeks you give. Nothing happens. But you're in the principle. You're in the flow of his blessings, of his will, and he never leaves you out the drive. He always makes a way. Now, here's the thing. If you don't give him something to work with, how can he work? Every miracle Jesus did, someone had to offer something. When he multiplied the, the fishes and the loaves, a little kid had more faith than 5,000 adults. Have you ever thought about that? All the adults had lunches. No one stepped up. But everybody's talking about God, right? Isn't it interesting, church? Yeah, God. Well, okay, God's like, I'll bring something to the table. Uh, well, the way my lunch set up. A little kid. That's why Jesus said you got to have faith like a little kid. A little kid's like, hey, look what I got. Jesus is like, word, give me that. I'll multiply that and bless everybody in the process. That's why I don't, I don't care how much Bible verse you know. How much Bible verse are you applying? That's the difference. Right? Some of our most brilliant people graduate from cemetery. I mean, seminary. But then you look at their lives, you're like, what, what the heck is the faith? Did you go to seminary to lose faith? Because you know a lot, but you don't do anything. Well, what you, okay, all right, all right, my bad, my bad. I'm getting shallow. I'm going to move on. Let me end. Let me end. Let me land this plane. I know a couple, I was talking to a couple this week that four years ago had everything that you would want, like naturally, again, shallow, forgive me, but they had the house, they had the boat, you know, whenever they want to go out, no big deal, money was not a problem, and they were enjoying life to the fullest until the bottom dropped. Her business went under. He got into an accident, lost his job. So now they were both living off their savings to the point that they drained it. He said, 
He said, I looked at my bank account, I had a nickel to my name. He said, I took a picture of it to remember. And he said, we decided, okay, what is it that we need to do to get out of this place? And he said, they both realized, wait a minute, we've been living well, but we never really trusted God. He said, what we're going to do different is we're going to seek God above all else. So whatever comes in, just like Rockefeller, if it's $1.50, first thing we're going to do, we're going to honor God. Four years later, I was just talking to him this week, and he's like, he's got a new job. She's got a new job. They got their house back. They're doing well. And they said, every Friday now, we have this ritual. The first thing we do every Friday, we get together and we say, God, what do you want to do with your money? Seek the kingdom above all else. They're blessed. No cares in the world. I'm talking about the real no cares in the world, not the bless you, God, thank you, Jesus. Like, no, for real, these people have faith, and they're seeing God move in their lives. Right? But God works in principles. He says, if, then. You ever notice that in the Bible? It says, if you, then I. Right? You guys can come up. As I end here, watch, Malachi, here's one example. If, then. He says, bring all your tithes into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heavens and armies, I will open up the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. See, I told you God dares you. I didn't make it up. He said, I dare you to trust me. I dare you to put me to the test. I dare you to be faithful. And watch me be faithful right back. If, then. Now, if you didn't catch anything else today, it's obedience that unlocks the heavens. It's obedience. You know, you can go to church your whole life and not see God's blessings because you never obeyed anything. This family that I'm talking about, they were church people. But they're like, we weren't obeying God in the tide. Isn't it interesting? You can be in a place of blessing, but not obey to see the blessing. It happens every day in our nation. People go into a building and leave the same way because they never actually applied what they heard. I was so blessed with Matt's testimony because I love seeing that. I love seeing people live out their dreams. But the overall principle is he had to do the principles. And he has to keep doing the principles for his business to be blessed, for his kids to be blessed. Listen, I was nervous, excited to share this with you today. You know why? Because we're so apprehensive about this God we call money. But as God's my witness, the greatest blessing of a pastor's heart is to see the people blessed. Like, I want more for you. I want more for your children. I want more for your grandkids. Because if you study the Bible, he doesn't just bless you. He wants to bless generations and generations to come. He wants to bless you for generations to come. I'm not here on my own. I have a lot of people to thank for praying for me, for paving the way for me. I have parents who have sacrificed Parents don't move to another country for them. They move for us, the kids. And so the best way I can honor their lives is to live my life to the fullest so they can say, man, it was worth it. It was the sacrifice was worth it. 
See, Jesus said this. Jesus said, if you who are evil know how to do good things for your kids, how much more does your heavenly father wants to bless your life for living according to his will? God's will is to bless you. But you got to activate your faith by obeying the principles he's laid out before you. Would you stay with me? I want to pray for you. God will never bless you just for you. He told Abraham, I want, I want to bless you, but you got to be a blessing. In other words, you got to be a giver. He says he loves a cheerful giver. And he says it is more blessed to give than to receive. Why? Because when you give, you're receiving. Sometimes I like to challenge people. If God answers all your prayers, how many people will be blessed? If he answered all your prayers, how many people would actually be blessed? Because he called you to be a blessing, to bless others. Would you lift your hands to the Lord? I want to pray for you. Would you pray with faith this morning to say, God, I want everything you have for my life, for my children, for my future. The plans he has is to prosper you, to give you hope in the future. Don't settle for good enough. And don't try to be God and overdo it. Be the vessel. Spirit of Jesus, would you fall fresh on your people? Spirit of Jesus, would you confirm your word this morning? That your will is to bless us, is to prosper us, is to give us hope, is to give us a future. A future that is going to bless our children and our children's children. If you don't come back, the blessing will keep flowing, Lord. It will keep flowing, Lord, from generation to generation. Father, I pray today, unblock everything that's holding back our blessings. God, I pray today that your church is saying yes to your principles. It's saying yes to seeking you first, to live righteously, and know that you, God, are faithful to give us everything that we need. God, I pray, bless us to be a blessing to others. Bless us to be a fountain of blessings to those around us. Have your way, we pray, in Jesus' name. If you believe it, would you give God a praise this morning? I want to thank you for listening today. And I want to encourage you to share this with someone who needs to hear about the love of God. And uh, hope to see you soon.